Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. Each week we get together and we recap a different book or movie. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. Today we are talking about a movie called The Devil Wears Prada, starring Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep. This is a movie I feel like people have either seen or heard of. Mm -hmm. And I've just seen so many clips of it over the years that I swore up and down I've seen this movie before. And then I watched it and I realized that I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, this was my first time watching it. I've seen it a couple of times. I'm pretty sure this movie is where my eating disorder started. And I can I wrote down the exact point in the movie where I'm like, this was it. This was where everything originated. This, this scene was my villain origin story. I mean, it's extremely toxic and there's a lot of like toxic messaging in this movie, but I think it's a Bitch, very... if you're coming back with a butt, I swear to God. No, no, no. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that it is a very accurate representation of the times yeah. and of the fashion industry. Oh, it is. Take care while listening and just know we don't agree with any of Miranda Priestley's teachings in The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, but then also we are millennials and we are deeply affected. Like we are a byproduct of this era. And so I think that a lot of times we can say things that are toxic without even realizing it just because Mm -hmm. it's like indoctrinated into us. You know, when we were, when Rose and I were really starting to try to develop our own style, seeing all of these you know absurdly skinny girls that's what we were taught by society to believe we should look like right so it's like we are aware that this is like toxic but it's like being aware of it and then truly truly believing that we are okay the way we look is so hard Mm -hmm. anyways just stay strong and if this ain't the episode for you then go look check out our backlist yeah I love Anne Hathaway as an actress, and there are so many people that hate her. They had a group on, I think, Twitter for the longest time called Hatha Haters, Mm -hmm. and I don't understand why. It's so mean because she's even, like, commented on it in interviews. But, like, can you imagine just, like, people hating you for just being yourself? For just being a decent human being? For being a decent human being? That's so sad. Oh, people are terrible. But... This movie stars Anne Hathaway as Andy, Andrea, Andrea. I'm sorry, fucking Meryl Streep keeps calling her Andrea. Is it it Andrea or Andrea? It's Andrea. Yeah. But Meryl Streep always calls her Andrea. And I'm like, it's not even her fucking name. And then I just said not even her fucking name. (laughs) Like it's. You're trying to get fancy with it. The movie starts us off with one of our favorite things. And that's a montage. This is a getting ready montage. Yeah, and I think they're trying to show the difference between the main character, how different she is from other people in the fashion industry. I mean, she is different, but Anne Hathaway is so fucking gorgeous. So you guys are acting like she's this bridge troll. And I'm like, it's so fucking Anne Hathaway, though. Like, dude, when the movie opens up, she's getting ready to go for an interview And at first I was confused because I thought she's getting these clippings of her writing together. And so I thought she was going for a writer's position. It's the same. And I I don't know why those would be relevant. I don't know if she thought she was going to have the opportunity to be like, oh, I'm actually a writer. Here's some of my work. 
Right. Because the position she's going to interview for is not a writing position. It's an assistant position of the editor-in-chief of Runway Magazine. It's a second assistant position at a magazine. (laughs) Assistant number two. But this is where I have a bone to pick with her is the fact that she is so unprepared for this interview. The fact that she goes in and the first assistant is there to interview her and the first assistant is like, oh, Miranda, who is the editor in chief, she's coming in. And Hathaway is like, who's Miranda? Like, you don't know who the editor in chief is of the magazine you're interviewing for? Yeah, that that's super unprofessional. Like, at least know your fucking boss's name, you know? Like, I get that she doesn't have an interest in fashion, but you're trying to get this job, right? Yeah, no, Google was definitely a thing back in the day. Back in that day, not other days, but that day, Google was a thing. (laughs) Back in the 1900s. She's super unprepared, but also I want to say how unprofessional really Emily was. Emily is the first assistant. I think the way that first assistant conducted herself when Andrea arrived, that was really unprofessional. Right. Because she did. She was commenting on her appearance. (laughs) Yeah. That's literally all they do for the whole movie is comment on her appearance or shit like that. Right. Because like we said, like Andrea, she's actually she's a writer. She wants to be a journalist. She's not interested in fashion. And so she goes in for this job and she is dressed supposedly frumpy. I mean, she looks fine to me, especially for 2006. Um, Mm hmm. And the first assistant who's interviewing her looks her up and down and says, you are not right for the job. Mm -hmm. The first indication that she's not right for the job is the fact that she didn't know who the editor in chief is of the magazine. Well, and then we have Miranda, who is the editor in chief. Mm -hmm. Miranda gets there. You know, she breezes into her office and she turns to first assistant to ask her something. And then she sees Andrea in the background and she goes, who is that? First assistant's like, oh, uh, nobody. She nobody. She's here. Yeah, she's like, she was here to interview for the second assistant, but she um, she's not right. And Miranda's like, oh, honey, the last couple of assistants, second assistants you've sent me were terrible. So I need to do my own interviewing now. When Miranda interviews Andrea, she looks her up and down and just makes her feel like she's a bug under her shoe. Meryl Streep is not kind to her. I don't think we have to describe Meryl Streep. Like, she is, she is beauty. She is grace. Her aura is of, like, power and money. Uh Uh-huh. She just carries herself with so much confidence and complete disregard of anyone below her that she deems below her. Well, and here's the thing. She... On one hand, I appreciate this. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I don't like it. She never raises her voice. She doesn't. She is very soft-spoken most of the time. But the way she will cut people down in this movie is, one, horrible. Mm -hmm. And two, impressive. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like she... She's not a good person, but Mm -hmm. you can tell she's the person she needed to be, especially, I guess, in that era to Mm -hmm. to get to the heights that she got to. Yeah, because this movie is taking place in 2006. But you have to think Miranda has probably been in the business or at Runway specifically for like 20 years. 
Right. You know? And so that's 96, 86. Mm-hmm. So like mid 80s, like it wasn't easy for her to do that. I'm pretty sure that the fashion industry was a very male dominated field. Oh, it still is. But yeah. And so, I mean, just women are just clawing the way mm-hmm. to positions of power. And so it's interesting to think like we see her and she comes across like, you know, to kind of distill it down to one word. She comes across like a bitch. But you have to wonder, like, what does she have to go through to get to that point? She's also a bad bitch, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Andrea gets hired. First assistant's not, like, terribly happy about it. It's so bizarre. Like, how does she get the job? I, I don't know. I guess it was the old fashioned, like, hey, what we've been doing isn't working. Let's try something different. The events that happen after Andrea is hired are truly terrible because there is zero fucking training. There is zero training for poor Andrea. She's kind of given like a 30 second rundown on how to do her job and rapid fire. She doesn't even have time to write it all down. And then she's just thrown to the wolves. And this is one of my biggest fears Whenever I start a new job, mm-hmm. so I'm like, what if they don't train me properly? Well, she's not trained at all. She, the only thing she's told is like, you never leave the desk unmanned. The, the phone mm-hmm. has to be answered at all times. And Miranda just barks orders at her. First of all, Miranda calls Andrea Emily because she because that's the first assistant's name. And it's like she's refusing to learn a mm-hmm. second name. And so she's just going to call all her assistants Emily. Yeah, it is um, really demeaning, to be honest. And Miranda doesn't seem to understand how time works. Like, not time in the workplace. I just mean time as a general concept. (laughs) Because she'll walk into the office. She throws her coat and her purse at Andrea. Yeah. And then she's like... She'll be like, get this person on the phone. And then she'll go to her desk and she'll be like, is he not on the phone yet? Right. Like, do you have to make extra effort into your day to act like such a twat to your employees? Or mm-hmm. is is that just your default setting? It seems to come very natural for her. And like, this is what I don't understand. It's like... The way she treats the people that are working directly for her. I mean, these are Mm -hmm. her assistants, right? Her assistants, when you think, I mean, because we did that movie about assistants. And it's Mm -hmm. like they have a lot of power over the person's schedule, connecting them with other people. I mean, assistants like run your life and you treat your assistants like shit. Like, I don't understand how this magazine is not Mm -hmm. falling apart. I don't either. Um, But I think it was... And still is the hustle culture yes. to where if you don't feel like you're dying and want to jump off a bridge, then you're not yeah. working right. Right. You know, I have that note, too, because I'm like, this movie was like a representation of like the New York City hustle culture and this idea that you have to kill yourself and you have to start at the bottom and you have to be abused to eventually be mm-hmm. successful. And it's such a bullshit concept. Yeah, it's and I think. All of these movies were kind of what we were watching in middle school and high school. 
And mm-hmm. so we saw this hush. We saw the hustle culture. You and I have talked about this before. We talked about this just this morning about how I feel too stable. Therefore, I must add projects to stress me out to feel worthy. But we were conditioned to equal stress to worth, you know? Yeah. We were kind of conditioned to think that stress is a direct measure of like what you are producing and what you're and like how valuable you are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that literally is just hustle culture. Like you're supposed to be stressed mm-hmm. out and spinning your wheels all the time. Yeah. It's bullshit. Don't buy into it. It is. <laughs> Don't do it. At this point, Andy has been here for a few days, I would think. Andrea goes downstairs to what I assume is the cafeteria in, like, the building. She's getting her lunch, and she gets, like, corn chowder soup. And Nigel is there. Nigel is, like, the fashion guru, sort of like... He's, like, one of the... the some sort of director of the magazine. Yeah, so he's, like, one of the fashion directors of Runway Magazine. And he's looking at Andrea... And he's like, hmm, corn chowder, interesting choice. She's like, "Uh, yeah. He starts going on and on about sizes. And he goes, zero is the new two. And two is the new four. And Andrea goes, I'm a six. And he goes, and six is the new 14. Yeah. And this is where my eating disorder started. And then he gets a call to go upstairs and then he throws her lunch away. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea is that no one can have any sort of normal schedule when they work for Miranda because the meeting could start at two o'clock, but she can suddenly decide that now it starts at noon. And so you're late, even though you thought you had until two o'clock. Now you're late. And I just think, Mm -hmm. like, how can you be so successful and have such an unstable office? Because when you think about it, like, if these are your assistants and they're helping you run your business and and they're not trained and they're running haggard and you're and you're running through them like crazy. Like, how are you able to run your business? I don't know. This movie really I mean, I kind of knew this, but this movie really reiterated to me. That I know nothing about fashion and I also don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Same. Same. Like, I think Andrea's outfit at the beginning is great. I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. Like, I probably wouldn't have paired it with that skirt. Maybe some skinny jeans. (laughs) But, like, that sweater shirt, like, collared shirt combo. I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. Yeah, we're made <laughs> we're made to think, like you said, that Andrea's dressed like a troll under a bridge. And but you know, there's this interesting scene where Miranda is selecting looks for, I guess, the cover or something. And mm-hmm. Andrea kind of snorts in the background because she thinks it's like so absurd. The belt. Yeah, because they're trying to choose between two belts and and they're like, they're so different. And Andrea kind of snorts. Because she just thinks the whole thing is so absurd. Miranda goes on this whole tangent about how Andrea thinks she's so above fashion. And she's really not. She talks about how her sweater is cerulean. And it's, you know, 
Five years ago, Miranda decided the cerulean was the new in color. And Mm -hmm. you think you're above fashion, but you're not. You know, you're just a slave like everybody else. She goes on this like super tangent, but she says it in such a whimsical, monotone voice. Uh Uh-huh. That at first I'm like, trouble, right? Like we're in trouble. (laughs) She actually says, I mean, I think it was kind of a powerful scene because she says like, you know, you're wearing a sweater that was selected Mm -hmm. for you by the people in this room. And it really like we are talking about how we don't get fashion and we don't care. But in reality, Mm -hmm. like the clothes we're wearing are styles that were decided by a bunch of random people in a room, you know, and it's like distilled down. Well, see, here's the thing. You're right. Like you and I, like we don't get fashion. It's not that we don't care. We just don't get it. We don't get the intricacies of the fashion industry. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't need to. The only thing I truly ask in life is that once leggings are like out, you know, like once somebody decides leggings are out, I just need like a 12 month heads up. Yeah. Okay? I, I think just, I think that 12 I need month, to come to terms. Well, that 12 month heads up started a while back, girl, because I think leggings. But this is this is what annoys me is the idea that, you know, these people in a room are deciding what everyone should wear, but not every style looks good on every body. Mm-hmm. And they are making styles for one type of body. And then everyone's like skinny jeans don't look good on everyone. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? They don't. And also like the low rise jeans. Do you remember the hell that was the low rise jean era? Yeah. Just muffin tops as far as the eye could see. Muffin tops, you know, thongs in the back. Yeah. Whoever decided roller body glitter was a thing. Yeah. Fuck you. We were all walking around like fucking Edward Cullen, just like glimmering in the sun. Those were the days. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about Andrea's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure his name is Nate. I think she mentions his name like once. He's so kind of just there. He's just sort of there. And he also, okay, so I'm going to try to describe Nate's personality because he's awful. She comes home from her first day of work and he's being a good little wife. And he made her a grilled cheese sandwich, gives her a glass of wine. And I'm like, how sweet. Mm -hmm. But he also shows, one, almost zero genuine interest in how her day went. Mm -hmm. And two, he seems like a Sims character that was just sort of like dropped in to Andrea's life to be her boyfriend. Yeah. No, you're so right. It's almost like they wanted rom-com elements, but they were like, we don't have room in the script for a rom-com. Let's drop in a Sim boyfriend. (laughs) We're going to get to how problematic he is later. Um, Actually, you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm going to do it now. After she's working there for, you know, a couple of weeks, Andrea goes out to dinner with her boyfriend and then another, you know, two people that are in a couple that they also hang out with. And Andrea brings them all these little goodies and are just like, here you go. You know, I got you this stuff. You know, it was free. Andrea is really excited because she has a job that has perks and she gets to share them with her friends. You know, mm-hmm. and her boyfriend, he thinks that Andy is being ridiculous by even having this job. And he's like making fun of her, kind of. 
Yeah, he really he treats her job kind of like a joke. And you know what? That's Andrea. All of the Andreas out there in the world, you don't need that bullshit. You know what? Batteries work just as well as a sim boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> Andrea is like being eaten alive by this job. It's like consuming every waking moment of her life. Like she wakes up super stressed running to the office. She's getting calls all throughout the day. Miranda's asking for impossible things. And it's almost like she needs an intervention because her dad comes to visit her. Her dad is like, um, I'm getting emails from you at 2 a.m. I'm worried about you. Yeah. And he's like, you're not even writing anything, Andy. And she goes, I wrote those emails. Yeah. Writing emails, dad. Still chasing my dreams. Her dad shows up, takes her out to dinner, hands her a check. Yeah, he says, like, me and your mom are worried about you and how this job is consuming you. And I'm like, first mm-hmm. of all, Andrea, look at you having a present father. Can't relate. <laughs> Good for you, girl. Good for you. Rose is over here raging. <laughs> like, fuck you, Andrea, and your present dad. <laughs> um, And, of course, the dinner gets interrupted by Miranda. Miranda is currently in Florida, and she is demanding a flight back to New York. But there's a hurricane in Miami, so no, nothing's flying in or out. Yeah, but Miranda thinks that, like you said, like she doesn't understand time. She also doesn't seem to understand like the concept of weather. And, and, and really, it's almost like Miranda, I don't know, like she thinks that her assistants should be magicians and they should be able to like do magic. Miranda thinks she is immune to hurricanes. <laughs> you have Andrea who's calling everybody that she can possibly think of and everyone tells her, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you. There's a fucking hurricane. Andrea's dad even asks her, he goes, why don't you just call the Coast Guard to go rescue her? Yeah. And Andrea's like, can I do that? Can I do yeah. that? You can just well, call the Coast Guard? It's like kind of sad because her dad is visiting her from out of town, but Andrea's spending the whole night calling airline after airline after airline trying mm-hmm. to get a flight from Miranda because Miranda actually says to her, you know, she says, this is your job. Like, get me back to New York. And she's putting this pressure on Andrea to do something that's impossible. Mm-hmm. She's not Harry Potter, bitch. Andrea is not able to do magic and get Miranda a flight from Miami to Chicago during a hurricane. Right. And on Monday, Miranda has Andrea has Andrea in her office and she just rips Andrea a new one for not getting a flight in the middle of a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And then Miranda says something that I think is one of the most terrible things she says in this whole movie. She says, I thought I was doing something different this time by hiring the smart fat girl. Mm. What? I know. What? Yeah. Girl. I mean, can you imagine Gen Z being Andrea like... If Andrea was Gen Z, she would get Miranda canceled. Like, she would, this would not fly. You know, like, you could just tell, like, literally, this is millennial culture. We were indoctrinated to think that we are supposed to be abused by our bosses. 
We're we're not, by the way. If you're still being abused by your boss, that's not okay. You know? No. Leave. Break free. Leave. Break free, Dolby. Dobby. Is it Dobby? It's Dobby, goddammit. We've done this before. Listen, you know what? Relax. Calm down. Take a chill pill. Here's a sock. Here's a sock, Dobby. Here's a sock. You're free, Dobby. You're a free elf. Can you imagine? Like you just How want to give you her. You went your whole life saying Dobie. Courtney, I read the books what, like before the, and you know, obviously not all the books were out before the first movie, but I was reading the books before the movie and who was going to tell me how things were pronounced? I didn't know how to pronounce Hermione's name. I used to say Hermonini in my head and I didn't <laughs> know anybody's name. Well, doesn't your brain autocorrect once you watch the movies? No, Courtney, I'm not a computer, I'm not a laptop. I'm not an Android device. <laughs> like when I read a book and then I listen to the audiobook, my brain autocorrects. I o- I'm always going to say Dobby. And then when I'm talking to you, I'll change to Dobby. It's fine. I mean, you can be wrong. <laughs> At this point, it feels like Andrea is going to lose her job. Like Miranda is that angry about the flight. Yeah, Miranda's that angry and Andrea is really upset. So she goes to the fashion director guy, Nigel, and she's, you know, talking to him and he goes, how is this my problem? Oh, yeah, it's not. He is not a kind person. No, it's funny because like. It's clear that he is the only person that she feels she can go talk to because Andrea is that upset that she Mm -hmm. seeks out Nigel to feel better. And he is so mean to her. Like, he's called her fat. He's told her that she has horrible style. Like, it's like so bad. He's so mean. And this is her only friend at the job. Yeah, this is her only friend at the job. And he's like, you're just whining. Yeah. And he keeps calling her six. Yeah, like uh, in reference to her size. Like a six is fat? Like, do you know what horrible things I would do to be a six right now? Like, which truly terrible things in life I would do to be a size six? Yeah, I mean, there's there's our millennial toxicity seeping through. But I told you if somebody pulled a, like a tiny white pill out of the bottom <laughs> of their purse and said it would make me skinny, I would pop it, no questions asked. <laughs> um. Well, Andrea tells Nigel, she's like, I just want some credit for killing myself doing this job. And Nigel gives her like this super toxic pep talk that, you know, it just reiterated the fact that this movie added to like the abusive, toxic hustle culture. Um, But he kind of had a point where he kind of looks at Andrea and he's like, are you really trying, though? Like, are you actually trying? Mm hmm. You work at a fashion magazine and you show no interest in fashion. And I'm like, you know what? He's got a point, though. He does have a point. I It's like working at McDonald's when you're a vegetarian. And then you're making faces and grimacing at everyone that's buying the meat. And kind of, yeah, you're, you're wearing T-shirts with like pictures of cows being slaughtered. <laughs> you're not doing yourself yeah. any favors in this job. And I mean, like, you're right. He does have a point. And I think she sees that right now, too. She's like, please, Nigel. And so he gives her a makeover. 
he goes through, he gives her some shoes, and he keeps making comments, though, about how everything in that room is a two or a four, and he's not sure. He's going to have to let everything out for her. Yeah. What's interesting, that's so mean. It's so mean because the first thing he pulls for her is a poncho. He's like, I think this is the only thing that will fit you. Well, like, you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> have you guys never heard of Spanx? Yeah. If she doesn't move or breathe, she can wear those other things, okay? It's so awful how a very obviously thin Anne Hathaway is made to look mm-hmm. like the fat girl. Like, how damaging on our young psyches. Like, I'm telling you, it's just... Like, if Anne Hathaway is the fat girl, what the fuck am I? <laughs> like, if the six is the new 14... They just sent me to the aquarium to get weighed on the whale scale. <laughs> this is so awful. I hate this episode being so mean. Oh, my God. So Nigel gives Andrea, like, a makeover. And he I guess they have access to, like, all these clothes. And he gives her, like, this really nice outfit to wear, which to me, I don't know. It just seems basic. But apparently for people with a fashion eye, it's, like, impressive. And they even do her hair. Like, they actually, like... Okay, first of all, they straighten her hair and cut bangs. Is that all it takes? Is a hair straightener and bangs? Well, it's kind of like in the movies when they take your glasses off. And it's like, oh, my God, you're actually beautiful behind those hideous glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Like, look, you're skinny now. Like, they take the glasses off and they're like, you're skinny now. She's not the smart, fat girl anymore. Now she's... What? Blind. The smart fat girl with bangs? No, she's blind. Um, I I actually thought Anne Hathaway looked better without bangs. I actually didn't like her with bangs on. But um, she comes back into the office and Emily, the first assistant, is like really shocked when she sees her. When Miranda sees Andrea, she's also like, you could tell she doesn't say anything, of course, because she would never give her a compliment. But she could tell that she's kind of impressed. Yeah. And this is where some like paranoia crept in, because as someone who knows nothing about fashion, I'm thinking like, do people that know about fashion, do they are they like looking at you and they could tell that all your clothes are cheap? Because I'm a cheap ass when I fucking buy clothes. Um, Same. And can they be like, um, bitch, that's Target. Right. And like, do they not take you seriously? Which obviously this movie implies that people that work in fashion think you're a joke if you're not wearing designer stuff. But it's like, literally, I can't tell the fucking difference. If you think I'm about to go spend fucking $400 on an office casual dress, Mm -hmm. got me fucked up. You got me fucked up. My dude. You'd have to do some serious convincing for me to buy an office casual dress that's more than $30. Like, I -hmm. feel like it would need to have pockets and it would need to have $30 in those pockets. Like, that's the only (laughs) way I'm buying that dress. I don't know. You know what? If it has pockets, I could probably go up to 50. You know, like, if it has pockets and it fits me well, I can probably be like, okay, 50 might not be too much. Yeah. And there's $30 in the pockets. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Like, no pocket, plus it's uncomfortable, plus I have to wear Spanx. No. No. Well, the thing is, like, I grew up really poor. And when you grow up poor, I think you could go one of two ways. Like, you could go in the direction of just 
accepting that you're poor and not trying to convince people otherwise. Or you could go in the direction of like trying to like get as far away as possible from being poor and then buying expensive things to try to convince people that you're not poor. And I just chose like the easiest route. I'm just like, yeah, I'm poor. Like my shoes are pay less. Like what's up? Like this dress is Walmart. Like, you know what I mean? So when I was in seventh grade, Adidas were like the thing. Everybody wanted Adidas, you know? And my mom found these shoes that were like Adidas-esque. She found them at Payless and they were like $14.99. And so my mom was really excited and she bought them for me. And I liked them too because I'm short. So the back part of my like pants sort of covered the fourth stripe. Mm-hmm. You know, Adidas mm-hmm. has the two. This covered the fourth stripe. Yeah. And so like nobody really knew at first. But then somebody noticed and they started making fun of me because I had Aww. cheap knockoff Adidas. And so I tried to color in that last stripe, the same color, <laughs> as the rest of the thing. And then they just looked horrible. Aww. So it's kind of implied that now that Andrea is, like, caring about how she looks, that she's somehow getting back on Miranda's good graces and she has saved her job. Because mm-hmm. she starts, like, dressing the part, which, you know what, I think she should have been doing from the beginning. Like, you know, appearances aren't everything, but they're not nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah, working no. for someone who obviously cares about fashion and it's fashion isn't important. Like, like, try, girl. Yeah. So she starts dressing the part and Miranda starts trusting her a little bit more. As Miranda is like trusting Andrea more, she's kind of giving her wilder and wilder tasks. And one of the craziest things I've ever heard of is she asked Andrea to get the Harry Potter book, the new one. And by new, she means the one that hasn't even been published yet. Andrea is like, what the fuck? Yeah. So she calls this guy that she briefly met while doing other work for Miranda. He's a writer. And by the way, he's kind of a little bit of a hottie and also a little bit of a creep. He looks like, uh, honestly, okay, don't come at me, okay? I'm going to say what I'm going to say and I have Mm -hmm. no regrets. He has a very Ted Bundy-esque, like, charm. No, Courtney, you're right. Like, this guy is kind of, he has this flirtatious relationship with Andrea, who has a boyfriend. And he Mm -hmm. creeps me out. He definitely comes across, like, predatory. And he knows she has a boyfriend, but he's hard flirting. Yeah. Well, and so he's a writer, and he's, like, I guess, like, a famous writer. He has connections. Um, And Mm -hmm. so Andrea hits him up asking for the Harry Potter manuscript. And he's just kind of like, are you crazy? Like, that's not possible. She's like, come on. I know you can do it. And he's like, not fucking possible, lady. Um, He ends up getting it for her. And he gets her, like, the manuscript. And he's like, you have one hour. Well, it's crazy to me because he says that he got the manuscript from the cover designer who had a copy. And I call bullshit on that because I design covers for authors and you don't need to have the manuscript. I don't know. Maybe the ones that work at the publishing houses do to kind of get a better idea of the story. Maybe he meant like formatter. Hmm. Yeah, that makes more sense. That actually makes a lot more sense if it was the formatter Mm because you need the actual manuscript. But the fact that this person, the formatter, is willing to risk their job by giving out the manuscript. Anyway, what you know what? I think this is an important part of the story because it just made me think, like, how delusional is Miranda 
to think that her position as an editor of a fashion magazine makes her entitled to having a copy of a book that hasn't even been published yet. Well, I think she does it expecting Andrea to fail. You know, she doesn't expecting Andrea to fail. She's like, oh, she's not going to get this so that I can fire her because she can't do her job. I mean, she seems like an extremely successful and busy woman. And it's like, how is she doing all of that while also sabotaging her own employees? Like, it's just a lot. I, You know, I don't know. But it is, um, it's really shitty. <laughs> I kept thinking, like... I don't understand how there's people like this in this world, but I want to meet them and I want to be friends with them because I also want unpublished manuscripts. <laughs> like, can I get in on that? Right. Andrew was not expecting to have to work on her boyfriend's birthday. And so she like had the gift ready. She was getting ready to go to the party. And then her boss is like, nope, you're coming to- with me to this event. Andrea misses her boyfriend's birthday to go to this event. And... At this event, you know, one, she's upset because her boyfriend is, um, you know, obviously angry that his girlfriend missed the birthday. But also, she is sort of showing up the first assistant, not on purpose, but the first assistant Mm -hmm. is sick right now. And so Andrea is kind of filling in for her and a lot of the duties she would normally do. And... Mm -hmm. It doesn't click in Miranda's fucking brain. Hey, Emily, the first assistant, is ill. You know, it's, oh, Emily isn't Emilying hard enough. And here's the interesting thing is that Nigel, the fashion director, had told Andrea, like, the better you get at your job, the more your personal life is going to go up in flames. And that's kind of what's happening because here she is having to miss her boyfriend's birthday. Yeah. How would you have gotten out of that? I would have puked. Courtney, she should have faked diarrhea. Yeah. She should have faked diarrhea. It's kind of, you know, that sound on TikTok where it says, like, just say you're an accountant. Like, no one asks you questions when you say you're an accountant. Like, no one asks you questions when you say you have diarrhea. If Andrea would have just told Miranda, like, uh, listen, I this is so embarrassing. I'm so sorry, but I like literally my butthole is exploding. Like I cannot <laughs> go to this event. I'm pretty sure Miranda would have been like, go home immediately. You disgust me. <laughs> we have to learn to fake diarrhea sometimes. Like keep it in your back pocket. Like that's a card to play. I don't have to fake it. <laughs> to fake it. Can't talk right now doing hot girl shit. <laughs> it's just diarrhea. <laughs> Casual, hot girl shit. You wouldn't know. (laughs) Andrea's boyfriend is understandably very upset. Do you think he has, I don't know, dude, like the way he was acting kind of annoyed me. Like I get being disappointed that your girlfriend missed your birthday party because she had to work. But also like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, what are you, four years old? Like, I just think that there's a certain age past the point where you no longer get to act like the world stops on your birthday. I don't think he was mad that she had to work. I think he was mad that she wasn't supposed to be working. She was supposed to be there. And then I don't even know, like, she didn't even call him. She called their mutual friend, told her. And so I think it was just kind of the lack of general respect. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I would be annoyed, too, if my significant other missed my birthday. But I don't know. I guess the boyfriend to me, he's just kind of just so insignificant in this story that Mm -hmm. I just kind of I'm annoyed by him being in the way (laughs) of the plot. (laughs) The boyfriend is just there to cause drama and it's not even good drama, you know, and like I don't he's like he like you said at the beginning, it was like they were trying to fit this into a rom-com and then they're like, wait a minute. Let's we don't really it's not really the vibe, but let's just drop this boyfriend there. Yeah. And that's what they did. And it doesn't work well. Because you're not really rooting for the relationship. Like, literally, they could break up at any second and you would not care. No one cares. There's no chemistry there. Yeah. They it's just no one cares. No, no one gives a fuck about the boyfriend or his feelings. Are we bad people? Are we drama? Are are? I don't think we're. I the don't drama. think so. But fuck him. Fuck him and his feelings. So one of the big things that the first assistant Emily has been excited for is this trip to Paris, Fashion Week, Fashion Week in Paris. Emily's been dieting for it. She's been living off of two cubes of cheese a day. Um, And so Emily's really excited for it. However, like we mentioned, Emily is thick. Yeah. Miranda tells Andrea that Emily is no longer going to be attending Fashion Week with her and that actually Andrea is. And Andrea is devastated because she knows how badly Emily, you know, wanted to go. And Honestly, Emily was expecting to go. Like, it wasn't a question. Like, she was the one that was going. And then now Miranda is completely changing the plan. And the most fucked up thing is that she wants Andrea to break the news to Emily. Andrea calls Emily and she's like, don't, don't pick up, don't pick up, don't pick up, don't pick up. Mm-hmm. And then Emily call, Emily answers. She's like, hey, I'm so sorry, Emily. I had to go get these. But like an idiot, I forgot to yesterday because she was sick. Poor Emily is running through town, like, trying to get shit last minute for Miranda. And um, she doesn't pay attention, and then Emily gets hit by a car. Oh, my God, Courtney. My first thought was like, oh, thank God. Okay, she's dead. She's dead. I know. (laughs) Good. Andrea doesn't have to tell her anymore. No, (laughs) same. (laughs) But it's worse, because now Andrea has to tell Emily that she's not going to Fashion Week while Emily's in the hospital. It's like the worst. Yeah, and Emily is so upset. She tells Andrea, you should have said no. You should have said you weren't going. It just seems like Andrea is kind of dismantling her life for Miranda because now she's pissed off her coworker. Her boyfriend is mad at her. Mm-hmm. Like, things are not going well. Things are not going well, but honestly, like, it's sort of what Andrea chose. Yeah. Well, she she makes time for a friend's art exhibit, so there's that, you know? I mean, she makes time for that, but her friend also catches her flirting with another dude there, so. Flirting with writer guy. Remember the guy who got her the Harry Potter manuscript? Like, Mm -hmm. the the, the Ted Bundy-esque vibes guy. He rubs me the wrong way. I'm not. He rubs me the wrong way, especially later on, and I'll explain that. I don't know how we're supposed to feel about him as 
as the viewer, I don't know how we're supposed to feel about him because the actor that plays him is very handsome, but I don't know. There's just something about the character that's so creepy and predatory. It's the Ted Bundy vibes. That's what it is. It's the Ted Bundy vibes. I don't like it. I mean, at first I was like, maybe it's okay. And now I'm like, oh, this is weird. It's like we said before, sometimes it's like, this is what I ordered, but this is not what I ordered. You know, like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want it. Like, you know what? I thought I wanted this, but like the more I think about it, the more I am. Um, maybe not. Like, maybe yeah. this is not the vibe. Andrea's friend does catch Andrea flirting with fighter guy. Um, and the friend is kind of like, I don't know. I feel like her reaction is a little weird. Her friend acts like Andrea was cheating on her. The friend is very upset and like storms off. Like, first of all, she was just like mildly flirting. Yeah. And I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. The friend accuses her of basically like not being the same person anymore because she's flirting with a guy. I'm like, bitch, chill. Like mm -hmm. flirting is not a crime. Like, calm down. Uh, flirting is not a crime. But yeah, it's. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfy. It's a little uncomfy, especially since the boyfriend is apparently there. Like, he just kind of, like a sim, he just loads into the game. <laughs> like, he loads he loads into the game just to start an argument with Andrea. Well, he doesn't seem mad about it. I don't think he sees it. He doesn't see the flirting. But I just didn't know that he was there. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. Maybe he doesn't see the flirting, but... She has like a gay fight with her boyfriend about priorities and all this shit. I mean, it's a long time coming, this fight. They're finally talking about what's bugging them. And mm -hmm. Andrea is basically like, I'm going to Paris for Fashion Week and maybe we should break up. Yeah, she's like, you know what? This trip is coming at a good time. Maybe we need a break. We were on a break. <laughs> Andrea, ooh, girl. Oh, girl, does she do things on a break? She does do things on a break. Um, she does. She does the sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. does the bumping of uglies. The, yeah, the slap and step, the clap and step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she does the deed. The deed, deed, deed. She signs on the dotted line of the penis i don't yeah we're not good at this anymore <laughs> anyway we're we're done we're done we're done well okay andrea goes to fashion week and it's whatever i mean who care i mean sorry i just don't care about fashion week but I, I mean i really don't so andrea goes to fashion week and then she ends up meeting the writer guy there because this writer guy I don't mm -hmm. know, dude. He's fucking everywhere. Like, he just pops up like like a freaking... It's kind of like he's stalking her. It's a groundhog just popping up everywhere. Like, oh, hey. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Yeah. So he's there mm -hmm. and he almost, like, forces her to go out with him. Mm-hmm. Like, she says no and he hears, try harder. Right. And this is what's, like, creepy about him because... They go out and to mm -hmm. dinner and then they go out walking and they're in Paris and they're obviously like she's been drinking and he kisses her and she is obviously uncomfortable with it because she keeps telling him like, no, I can't. And he keeps doing it anyway. Yeah. And she's like, um, I should go. I'm in a strange city. And he just keeps trying. 
And then she's like, I'm all out of excuses. No, girl. Run. Run, bitch. Run. This is this is where the diarrhea excuse that we told you guys to keep in your back pocket. This is a perfect circumstance to pull it out. Yes. Because if a man is not going to listen to no, he's going to listen to I have diarrhea and I'm shitting my pants. Like, please let me go. <laughs> you know what? Like, sometimes you just need to shit on a dude. Like, if he can't take no for an answer, you just need to shit on him. It's it's kind of sad that as women, we have to reach these extremes. Isn't that what your mom told you? Like, if, if somebody is trying to, like, take you or hurt you, just act crazy? My mom told me a long time ago, she said, if someone is trying to mess with you, you need to act crazy because no one messes with crazy. And she's like, literally, like, make noises, put your arms up, twist your limbs, mm-hmm. and just come at them. And it doesn't matter how good that person is at fighting, they're going to be terrified. You know, I like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, I guess that's another thing you could do. Like, when a man is, a man is coming onto you and you don't like it, you could literally start twisting your limbs in, like, weird angles. And you could be like, come to my lair. Let's go. I will it will take you. Make dinosaur noises. Just be like, I will feast on your balls when we're done. Time for the sacrifice. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Um We um we probably shouldn't have a podcast. People are gonna be like, these bitches are dumb and crazy. Who gave the microphones? Listen. It escalated very quickly. Emily ends up sleeping with Ryder Guy. And it's just kind of like, why is this even in the movie? You know, it just feels like they just needed to sprinkle some sex. Like the literally the men in this movie are like Sims. Like they serve no purpose. Uh-huh. Well, um, after, while she's getting ready in the morning and getting dressed after she sleeps with Ryder Guy, she finds out that Runway Magazine is going to be replacing Miranda with somebody younger, you know, and cheaper. Right. You know, I this kind of threw me for a loop a little bit because for some reason I thought that Miranda was like the CEO and owner of Runway Magazine, but she's just Mm-mm. the editor-in-chief. And for so, their USA Magazine. Only for their USA Magazine. Andrea actually tries to tell Miranda. She goes and bangs on her hotel room door and, you know, Miranda's like, have you lost your fucking mind? Get out of here. Miranda doesn't let her talk. She never lets her talk because Miranda's not interested in anything anyone has to say ever. Yeah. She tells her that night. She's like, just so you know, they're going to replace you with this other lady. You know, she gives her all the details. Um, And then it turns out that Miranda knew and she made like a backdoor deal. She made some Miranda made a backdoor deal to get the woman who was supposed to replace her to get her a different job at a different company at a different company and what's fucked up is that the job was supposed to go to nigel who you know is the creative director and nigel has been so excited for this job because he feels like he has paid his dues he has worked for miranda all this time Mm -hmm. and so when miranda makes the announcement like that this this job at a different company is like the president of something or another is going to this other lady, Nigel is like, I don't know. I think to I think Andrea finally realizes like, oh, Miranda doesn't care about anyone but herself. No, because Miranda doesn't. Miranda is a selfish twat. And 
she completely took away Nigel's opportunity to keep her own job. And Nigel is upset about it, but then he goes, it's okay. She'll pay me back when it's time. She'll pay me. Like, she'll, it'll be fine. And Andrea even goes, are you sure? And Nigel just says no. I think this was a big wake-up call for Andrea that she doesn't like this backstabby business because if Miranda is stabbing her closest people in the back, Mm -hmm. you know, Andrea's just like, I don't want to be a part of this. And Miranda tells her, like, you are already a part of this. Like, look, you're here in Paris instead of Emily. Andrea's like realizing that she is becoming a different person for this industry and she doesn't like it. When, you know, they're on their way home um, from like the event back to the hotel, Miranda even tells Andrea, she's like, you remind me a lot of me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And when they get back to the hotel, um, Miranda gets out and, you know, she's walking through the paparazzi. Andrea gets out on the other side and just walks across the street and throws her work phone into a fountain. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, bitch, did you just throw a sidekick into a fountain? Do you know how expensive those were? <laughs> and then also the thing is like, she is throwing away contacts that she could possibly mm-hmm. leverage in her career later on. Because, you know, in 2006, if you lost your phone, you lost everything on your phone. There was no iCloud. Yeah. There was no cloud. Um, But yeah, this was the big catalyst for Andrea just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. You know, I I respect that. I respect, you know, that you you have found a limit and you are, you know, you are holding strong on that limit. You know, I respect that. The limit is backstabbing. Andrea's walking away from her life as Miranda's assistant, second assistant. Um, and I mean, things kind of seem it's not really a montage, but things just kind of seem to wrap up very quickly from there. Yeah. So she meets her boyfriend at like a coffee shop and he sits down with the audacity to say, I have to be to work in 20 minutes. What's up? <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. He took a job like out of state mm-hmm. and, you know, he kind of like hints that he wants her to come. And she's like, I actually have a job interview after this. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of assumed that they break up. Yeah. There's not a, like a ton of resolution at the end of this movie when you consider everything that she's been through because mm-hmm. it seems like the boyfriend leaves the door open like, hey, we could get back together. And she doesn't walk through the door. She goes and does an interview. The interview is for a writing job, which is what she wants. And the interviewer says, I contacted your previous employer and asked for a reference. And the reference said that of all of her assistants, you know, Miranda said that of all of her assistants, you are her biggest disappointment. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't hire you, I was an idiot. Do you know what? Honestly, this is supposed to be like a big, like, oh, thank you, Miranda. Like, this is her endorsement. And no, I'm going to say it right now, like, fuck Miranda, because you, if when you see her in the office, she's so mean and demeaning and belittling to all of the mm-hmm. people that work with her, all of the people who are busting their asses to make her dreams come true. 
And then when you see Miranda at events, she's smiling and she's like kind of kissing ass. So it's not like her personality is a curmudgeon. She knows how to turn it on and off. Uh Uh-huh. No, she does. Which is very manipulative. And it shows that she is purposefully like being difficult and being mean and being terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she is. That's the thing. She is. Is it an unpopular opinion not to like her? Because I, like I said, I watched this movie for the first time. And my impression was always that Miranda, editor-in-chief of Runway Magazine, was supposed to be this, like, I don't know, epic role model of a bad bitch. And... Well, here's the thing. I feel like Miranda Priestly is, like, a goddess. but. She's a goddess as in, like, goddess of war who will slay her enemies. Like, she's not, like, a... She is not a benevolent being. She represents a seed that I think a lot of women would love to, like, emulate. But Mm -hmm. she's she's cruel. She's very cruel. She is. And, you know... I, I would like to say, just disclaimer, um, our thoughts and opinions regarding this are of Miranda Priestley, not of Meryl Streep herself. No, Meryl Streep is beauty and grace and incredible in this role. I mean, phenomenal in this role. Honestly, like if Meryl Streep punched me in the face, like I would die happy. But <laughs> um, yeah, like. She played this role so well that sometimes I like I can't separate the two. No, you're right. I mean, it the role was what it needed to be. This is exactly what they wanted her to be, and she succeeded. She did amazing. Anyway, um, listen, the teapot is empty for today. It was full of toxic tea, and we just slurped it up. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna have to have a palate cleanser. Let's <laughs> do it. Anyways, don't worry. More is brewing in on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll see you next time. Bye.